Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Frankly, I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to take a day off. And uh, we were sitting around the dinner table, and my wife and several people at the table said, what you really need to do when you take this day off is you need to play what you spoke on Sunday. I talked about the birth of Jesus, and I promise I will tell you some things you probably have never heard before, because I'm going to explain it from an entirely different point of view. And I have to say that I've got a lot of compliments on it. A lot of people applied it at the end of it. So I'm going to take you on over to what I did this past Sunday, talking about the birth of Jesus, swaddling clothes, and the manger, which you probably have not heard before. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, for um, those of you that are going to be able to celebrate Christmas. It's next Saturday, the 25th. That's when the whole world knows it. But um, I know that Pastor Stan has an exciting message for us this morning, an encouraging message, and one that's just going to help us just to know some things that maybe we didn't know before. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we just love you so much. And Lord, I thank you for anointing this man of God. I thank you for ministering to him, and now I just ask that you just give him the ability and the words to speak to minister to us. Lord, let everything that's said be of you, not of man. And Lord, we give you honor and glory today as we come to just celebrate your birth. We thank you for it. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you. We cannot thank you enough. So, Lord, anoint him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Touch him. Let him feel your anointing. Send the angels to speak to his ear the things that maybe he didn't have revelation knowledge, but now he'll have it. Amen. But we just ask for an increase in that knowledge today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Perhaps more so than any other time of the year, Lord, today we say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing, glory, honor, and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. And the four beasts said, Amen, and the congregation says amen. Lord, we ask, especially this time of year, that you would be with us, that you would hear our prayers, and you would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our heart to know and understand. Help us to be prepared to serve you. And Lord, we say, here am I, send me. Be a lamp into our feet, light into our path, and show us the direction you have us to go that we would all hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I looked back on my PowerPoints over the last five Christmas messages, and I had one year, covered all of the scriptures, we read through them, all about the birth of Jesus. What kept coming to me is to talk to you about something perhaps you've not even even seen it this way before. 
But all of this is pointing to Jesus. The truth is, everything in eternity is pointing to Jesus. So, first, let's talk about eternity. If you go back to Genesis 1, one of the most important phrases in the Bible is, in the beginning, God. (laughs) In the beginning, God. Okay? So, before there was light, before he moved on the face of the waters, the Bible says, before anything, there was darkness. So eternity was darkness. Bible doesn't tell us exactly when the angels were created, but they were. Doesn't tell us when they fell, but they did. And there's like two different fallings. There's another one in the middle of the tribulation, which we probably won't get to today. But before he said, let there be light, before he moved upon the face of the waters, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost that were not created, they're eternal, okay? The Father and the Son made an agreement. This is confirmed in Revelation. From the foundation of the world, the Bible says, they made an agreement. See, the Father is like the mind. He's the wisdom. But the Father and the Son sit upon the throne. There's only one throne in the New Jerusalem. In all eternity, there's only one throne. Now, we say Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, but the truth is, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? So Jesus sits on the throne, and the Father sits on the throne. I saw a pure river of water of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. One throne. The Father saw the end from the beginning. We don't even understand that. We can't even understand that, for example, right now, before God said, let there be light, God knew that every one of us would be sitting in this chair right where we are this morning, hearing these words. He knew everything. He knows not only the hairs on our head, He knows the hairs on the heads of every person alive. Not only that, but he knows the hairs on the heads of every person from the beginning to the end. He threw the stars into place with his finger and called them by name. Heaven is his throne, the earth is his footstool. We we can't understand how big and powerful and all-knowing the Father is. But the Father and the Son made an agreement. They said, okay. The Father says, I'm going to give you a bride. I'm going to give you people to be your people. And I'm going to tell you their names. And he wrote them into a book called the Book of Life. Before he said, let there be light, when there was still darkness, he hadn't moved on the face of the earth yet, the Father said, I'm going to give you the list of names that I'm going to give you. But the problem is they're going to fall. They're going to make a mistake. Adam and Eve will make a mistake. I'm going to set up one tree. And it was the, actually there's two trees, but the the big problem was the tree that offered them what? Knowledge. Or today we might say high technology. Just one thing, I don't want you to eat from that tree. Now, 
The world tells us that that was an apple. I don't believe it's an apple because I've looked it up. There's, I think it's either nine or 11 verses in the King James Bible with the word apple in them. None of them have anything bad to say about the apple. I think it was a grape. If you look up everything about a grape, the wine, you remember Noah had a little party with wine. He didn't know that the wine fermented. He'd know the, the, mine would, uh, the wine would make him drunk. If you look up everything about wine, wine presses, the vine, everything, it's all talking about bad things. So, okay, back to our, our point. So as I, I understand, you have to understand, I can just hear the Father talking to Jesus. You have to understand, if we do this, Adam and Eve are going to fall. When they fall, we have to make a door for them to go back into eternity. I can write their names in the book, but they've got to choose to come through that door. Now, let's back up, because there's three groups of time. Okay, so there's a 6,000-year period. Yes, this is Christmas. Yes, this is talking about Jesus. So for the first 2,000 years, from Adam through the flood, roughly 2,000 years, there was no law. Every person was judged according to their works. There was no easy door. There was no easy way. They couldn't sacrifice animals to get their sins forgiven. They were simply judged on what they did. And I'm glad I wasn't born in that time. Amen? <laughs> then the next 2,000 years <coughs> was the law. Moses came down off the mountains with the Ten Commandments. There's ten things you can't do. Of course, then the Jews started messing up, so they wound up to 613 rules. <laughs> but the point was, when there's no law, they couldn't do it right. So when Moses brought the law, and then there's 613 laws, they still couldn't do it right. So then Jesus came along for the last 2,000 years. Yes, there's a law, but there's a door. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You are going to have to be the door. Are you willing to do that? And Jesus said, yes. And I'm glad he did. So the, the serpent came to Eve. Has God said, has God said that you should not eat of this fruit? Eve said, I'm not even supposed to touch it. Now, did God say don't touch it? No, God didn't say don't touch it. You can build a tree house in it if you want to. Too bad they didn't cut it down. Right? Cut it down. Cut it down. Burn that rascal. Or burn it and then cut it down. I don't care. Just get rid of it. But anyway. But the serpent tricked her and said, I'll make a deal with you. If you eat of this tree, you get knowledge. So then we came along to the Tower of Babel. Then they started burning brick. The Bible says that they burned the brick thoroughly. Well, if you get the right kind of clay and you burn it thoroughly, what do you get? You get a crystal. So they were trying to build a building. It wasn't a skyscraper, but it was trying to reach into the heavens. Okay, so if you're not trying to build a skyscraper, but you're trying to reach in the heavens, and you're built, burning your brick thoroughly, what are you really doing? 
What they're really trying to do is build a crystal. My mom said that when she was a child, they had a crystal radio. And they changed channels by moving the stylus around on the little crystal in the radio. Because a crystal is a, how do I say that? A transistor, a yeah, yeah, it, it, it changes the frequency from a higher frequency that we can't hear the radio waves going through the ear down into a lower frequency then it runs through the speakers and the amplifiers and blah, blah, blah. What they're really trying to do is build a crystal radio to be able to hear the demons. Because the Bible says if they do this, if I allow them to do this, then nothing will be impossible to them. In other words, we're going back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what the devil promised was knowledge. What the devil promised through the Tower of Babel was knowledge. Okay, now what's that knowledge? It is, <laughs> I don't want to get into that too much. So the question is, do we want to choose knowledge or do we want to choose righteousness? And that's at, at the end of the day, that's what it really is. Knowledge, and that includes sin and all the things that go with it. But God made a way. And it's simple and it's easy. All we have to do is to choose Jesus. All right, so now let's go to Jesus. The Bible says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, a virgin. Ah, hey, wait, hold time, wait. How do you get a, vir a virgin to have a child? We've got a lady in here with a child now. And the way that happens, the Bible says, is the Holy Ghost came and overshadowed her. Jesus came along at exactly and precisely the time that the Father had already ordained. Now, Jesus said only the Father knows the day and hour he will come, meaning that the Father knows everything past, present, and future. He knows everything. And when Jesus was on the earth, apparently he wasn't privy, privy to all of that. The Father made a plan. He sent forth Jesus, his Son, at exactly the right time. And when he sent it along, the Bible says there's some specific things about that. And we're going to talk about some things this morning you probably haven't heard before. Exodus 12.3, speaking to all the, the congregation of Israel, saying in the tenth day of the month, they shall take unto them every man a lamb. Of course, we know that Jesus is the ultimate lamb. But this is back in the days of Moses. According to the house of the fathers, they're going to take a lamb for a house. And that lamb became the Passover lamb. Then we jump to Leviticus 23.10. Now this is talking about the ten feasts. Excuse me, the seven feasts. And yes, I know there's more, but there's seven basics. Speaking of the children of Israel, I'll say to them, when you come into the land which I've given you, you shall reap the harvest thereof. And that would be the barley harvest. Bring a sheaf, that's a handful, of the first fruits of your, they didn't say it, but it's the barley harvest unto the priest. She wave the sheaf before it, and he goes on to say, you shall offer that day, when you wave that sheaf of the barley, you're going to offer a he lamb without blemish of the first year. This was a picture of what Jesus was going to do as the lamb. Now remember that, the lamb, because that's going to be important here in just a second. But it says you have to offer a boy, a male lamb, 
with that blemish of the first year. Now let's jump to Luke. Now let's talk about Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. It came to pass in those days that Caesar required the world to be taxed. So in order to pay the tax, uh, they went and brought their firstborn son wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. I can't tell you how many times I've read that and I didn't really understand it. Swaddling clothes in a manger. I always thought a manger, well, you know, that must be a barn or something, right? I mean, that's what I thought. I mean, nobody ever explained to me, well, what are swaddling clothes? I don't know. I suppose they're cloth of the day in some kind of a barn. Okay, I mean, does it really matter? Yes, it does matter. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch of their flock by night. Now, that's important. We Western Gentiles read that, and we don't understand so. I mean, that's what I did. I read it, and I thought, so? Okay, so the shepherd's watching over the sheep by night. Well, the interesting part of that is lambs or sheep are not like humans. Humans bear children all through the year, all kinds of days. But that's not the way it is with lambs. They only bear their sheep or their, their, their little ones, their lambs, one time a year. And that's normally during the March-April time. There's one time a year. So when it says shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night, why are they watching over the flock by night? Because the ewe lambs are pregnant with the, the, the new lambs. And so in that it said that the shepherds are watching over their flocks by night, it told us what time of the year it is. It told us that it's in the March-April time period. So that tells us Jesus was born about what time of the year? March-April. The whole point of the seven feasts, that the, the five of the seven feasts was to show the specific days or the specific pattern of the last seven months before Jesus returns. But the Bible says every, every day upon its time, I think it's in Leviticus, means that those seven feasts are God's days. What he's saying to us is when I do something, especially something important, and when it's my hand doing it, it's going to be on one of these seven days. So it makes sense to me that Jesus was probably born on one of those seven days. Now, Bible, kind of like Leslie said this morning, why is it that we don't exactly know for certain the exact day of the year, the most important birth of all human time, why don't we know that day? Why don't we know the day that Jesus is born? I thought, that was a very good question. We should know that. But when it says... Shepherds abiding in their field, keeping watch over the flock by night. It's telling us it is sometime in the February, March, really March, April, March, April time. Okay, and I see several heads shaking there, what I'm talking about. March, April. Lo, the angel Lord came upon them, and the glory shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is what? Bethlehem. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be the sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's the second time it says swaddling clothes. All right, now, what are swaddling clothes? What's a manger? So, the, the Jews were required to have a lot of sacrifices. They had all kinds. They had 
turtle doves, they had bulls, they had goats, they had a lot of sacrifices. But they had special sacrifices, especially for lambs. So in the Bethlehem area, they had built a tower, high tower, so they could look over and make certain that the wolves weren't getting their sheep. And the sheep or the lambs that were made for sacrifice had to be made, they had to meet a certain criteria. And what was that criteria? We just read it. It had to be a he lamb without blemish of the first year. So they had to watch over those lambs because if they got a scratch, broken bone, any kind of a blemish, can't use them. So they watched over them by night to make certain that those new lambs, when they're born, are not blemished. When the lamb is ready, they brought it into a specific area. When the lamb was born, of course, it's all wet, of course, and they don't want the lamb to get scratched or damaged in any way. So they wrapped it in cloth. Guess what that cloth is called? The word swaddle, I think I've got up here in definition right now, but the word swaddle means to restrict. Well, why do they want to restrict the lambs? Because sometimes the lambs, even though they were just born, are very active. And they could run around and scratch themselves, run around the wall. Uh, maybe their, their hoofs scratched themselves. In some way, they damaged themselves. So they would first wrap the lamb all up so that the lamb can't move. It also keeps the, the lamb warm while it's continuing to dry. And they typically did this for the first 12 to 14 hours, and sometimes it was even longer than that. But swaddling is prohibiting their movement. It's not the same as grave clothes like with the the mummies in Egypt or anything, but they swaddled them. That's why they call it swaddling clothes. Now, when a a lamb comes in to eat, they didn't put the grain on the ground, in case you're not familiar with this. If an animal eats the grain off the ground, they have a higher probability of picking up worms and disease and things like that. So they would put it in kind of a wooden trough type deal, and the name of that trough is called a manger. So the sheep ate from a manger, and the sheep were wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now let's go on. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. To these shepherds abiding in the field, watching their flock by night, that told them exactly where to find Jesus. Because there's only one place on the globe where they use swaddling clothes and, and well, of course, they fed their sheep out of, out of a manger. That's every place. But swaddling clothes, that was only if that sheep or that lamb was designed for sacrifice. See, Jesus was sent there for sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb. Why does it say worthy is the Lamb? Because he had to be perfect, perfect, without blemish, without sin. Perfect in every way. This is the reason Joseph never touched Mary before Mary actually had the child. Because that would have defiled. That would have defiled a perfect child, you see. Can't have anything wrong. Why? Because if the devil can find one thing wrong, what is his name? Satan. And what does that mean? It means an accuser. He is the accuser of the brethren. 
he stands before God, even to this day, accusing the brethren day or night. He is looking for anything. See, that's one of the things you can tell whether people are with Christ or not. If they're with Jesus, they're forgiving. They understand people make mistakes. And they're, we're quick to forgive, right? But see, someone that is of the devil, they're looking. They're trying to find something someplace. Like, for example, our former president, which I won't mention the name, everyone knows talking about, they did all kinds of investigations. They didn't know what they were looking for, but they were confident that they were going to find something he did wrong. Because that's what the devil does. He's the accuser of the brethren. So if Jesus had anything wrong with him, any kind of a blemish, any kind of a sin, whoop, now he can't be a sacrifice. Because it has to be perfect, a perfect sacrifice to wash our sins away. Does that make sense? So swaddled clothes lying in the manger, and suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying. We looked up. We could not find one place in the King James Bible where angels sing. Look up singing, and angels does not exist. They say. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, goodwill to men. So a manger might look like this. In other words, it's just a feeding trough. But what goes to eat in the manger? Sheep. What is Jesus? He feeds the sheep. Right? Okay. Lamb only bear in March or April spring feasts. Shepherds only watch flocks by night during the birthing season. The same can't be the birth of Jesus. When birth is near, they're taken to the area of the tower for sacrificial animals. The tower is to watch over, make certain that they're not damaged or hurt. The lamb must be without blemish. When a lamb is born, it must be inspected for blemish. It's wrapped in strips of cloth or swaddling clothes to keep it from getting blemishes. Swaddle literally means to restrain from scratches or being startled or scratching or bruising. Cloth is used to restrain the lamb from causing damage. Swaddling clothes restrains and keeps them warm. Shepherds knew only one place used swaddling. So as soon as the angel said, in a manger, swaddling clothes, they knew exactly where it was. The place where the lambs are sacrificed or birthed and raised, <coughs> manger is a feeding trough used to feed sheep. Jesus fulfilled all 333 prophecies of the Lamb of God. He was literally from sent to be a sacrifice. Genesis 29, 7. He said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is time that the cattle should be gathered together, water your sheep, and go and feed them. So I looked up and I found these, I was looking for, what was it? Sheep and feed, I think it was. And I found this. It said, we cannot until all the flocks be gathered together till they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. See, when they roll the stone back, that's when Jesus came out and began to really feed the sheep. Matthew 28, 2, There behold, a great earthquake from the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone back from the door, and Jesus began to feed the sheep. thought that was interesting. John 21, 15. So when he had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. That's what Jesus does. He feeds my lambs. Jesus said, I am the living bread, the bread that gives my flesh. 
Now, <laughs> I put this here so I can point this out. So the lambs were born to be a sacrifice for Passover, and that was in this year. This is in 2028. This is, I'm not saying anything happens in 2028, but it's sometime in the April time zone there. I'll skip on by that. Micah 4.8 says, And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion. Now see what it says, tower of the flock? They were looking for their Messiah to be, coming, to be born on, about, or around a tower. They knew what that tower was. All has to do with sacrificed lambs. The stronghold of the daughter of Zion. And to thee shall it come under the first dominion. The word dominion is important. Like they had, we were given dominion over the fish of the earth and the fowls of the air, dominion. And the kingdom shall come into the daughter of Jerusalem. This is saying Jesus will be born on battle around a tower, the tower of the flock. So they knew where it was. Daniel talks about dominion. There was given him a dominion. And I believe this is going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Here, let me back up. When Jesus returns the next time, he returns to first fruits. And I'm not going to get into prophecy here, but he'll come down to first fruits. He resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys, uh, lamb of the first year without blemish. They walk around for about 50 days. On Pentecost, we all, washed in the blood of the lamb, go to the marriage supper of the lamb. And then about four months later, we return with him on the seventh trumpet for the great harvest, Armageddon. This is where we get all of our crowns and rewards and things like that. Now, let's go on to this next one. So when it says, he is given a dominion, glory, kingdom, his dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. We get to watch Jesus crowned King of kings and Lord of lords here at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay, let's move on. The uh, word for tower of the flock in Hebrew is migdal eater, which means tower of the flock. Migdal eater, tower of the flock. The Bible, this is another way of saying the same thing we're talking about, so I'll move on. But this is a picture of what they believe the tower, they believe this might actually have been the tower, where they overlooked the sacrificial lambs. Now, before I get into this in closing here, people would sometimes call our Topeka office and say, what are you guys doing having a ministry in 666 zip code? Because our zip code was 66609. Well, we turned it around. We said, well, actually, we think it's a victory that we've got a prophecy ministry within a 666 zip code. So since we know that Jesus really wasn't born in December, he had to be born in March or April. Yeah, March, April. We know that probably this is not Jesus's birthday. But the whole world celebrates this time of the year as Jesus' birthday. I'm going to show you a victory here. What is an anagram? An anagram is a word or phrase formed by reordering the letters of another word or phrase, such as satin, to be stain. Okay, so if you can reorder satin to be stain, how can you reorder Santa? Hmm. Now, is that saying that that's who it's talking about? You can look at it two ways. You can say, oh, no, we shouldn't celebrate Christmas because it might be uh, the devil's birthday. Or you can say, what a victory. Here we are celebrating the, the birth of Christ right on his birthday. I think it's a victory. 
kind of like having a prophecy ministry right in a 666 zip code. It's a victory. So how mad does the devil get to know that the whole world is celebrating the, the birth of Jesus on what might be on about or around his birthday? It's like, uh, this didn't exactly go as planned. That would be like your worst enemy is celebrating his birthday or celebrating his birthday on your birthday. That's anyway. Yeshua rose from the defense table. He wore a white robe with blue trim, red sleeves with the bottom border and neck border of red. He wore a small diadem of solid diamonds on his crown. Once again, he stood up. Everyone bowed their heads before him in worship, except those at the prosecution table. This was in a vision given to Maurice Scalar. This is talking about specifically Jesus at a courtroom in heaven. And I believe he heard from God. Now, I want you to notice what it said about the devil. All were dressed in black. This is the devil. Except one. That one seemed to be their leader. He was dressed in a red robe with a thick black belt over his waist. On his head he had a sign. As I looked, I saw in his hand he held the same sharp spear as everyone else in his army. This was said was in a vision given to Demetri Dudeman. And he said, I'm Lucifer. I'm, I'm, he explained, I am the king of this world. I have come to make war against the Christians. Now, the reason I say that is because if you look at the colors here, red and white, and then if you look at the colors here, Jesus is wearing blue, red, and white, or in red, white, and blue. I think it's interesting. Our flag is red, white, and blue. But down here, this guy is wearing black and red. I looked up, that's the only flag that has just black and red on it, and it, the black and red, and it's the flag for anarchism. Anarchy. What does anarchy mean? It means against the Most High. So everything this guy does is wrong. So if December 25th can't be the birthday of Jesus, whose birthday? Well, I don't know. It might be the devil's birthday, but again, I think it's a real victory that the world celebrates the birth of Jesus on about or around his birthday. It's kind of like in your face. Uh, I should also mention, at the, this is my personal opinion, the world celebrates Christmas. We celebrate Jesus Christ. We exchange gifts, frankincense and myrrh. We have reason to do that. We thank Jesus for our gifts. We gather to celebrate Jesus' birth. At the Johnson family, we don't put up a pagan decorated tree. We do not put gifts under the pagan tree god for the tree. We do not sing boughs of holly, mistletoe, and other pagan rituals. That's what we do. <clears throat> John 1.6 There was a man sent from God whose name was John, the same for a witness to bear witness to the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness to the light. Every, if you look, there's 333 prophecies that are given about Jesus. No other man in history, I think I may have this up here. Yeah, I do. Here, let me go to it. It's what I'm, point that I want to close with anyway. No other man in history fits all of these. No other person was born of the seed of a woman, as in a virgin, of the seed of Abraham. God would provide himself a land as an offering from the tribe of Judah, heir to the throne of David, born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin. No one's done that one. Proceeded by a messenger. To, in other words, no one has all of these things on them. These are all prophecies. 
messenger crying, prepare you the way of the Lord, would be a prophet of the children of Israel, called out of Egypt, presented with gifts, rejected by his own. He is the stone that the builders rejected, a stone of stumbling to Israel. He entered Jerusalem as a king riding on an ass, betrayed by a friend, sold for 30 pieces of silver, 30 pieces of silver given for potter's field, 30 pieces of silver thrown in the temple, forsaken by his disciples, accused by false witnesses, silent to accusations, healed the blind, deaf, lame, and dumb, preached to the poor, broken-hearted captives, came to bring a sword, not peace. He bore our sickness, spat upon 333 prophecies. Somebody once calculated in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, there was 109 prophecies perfectly fulfilled just in the death, burial, and resurrection. And they said, if you take the state of Texas and if you take a silver dollar and you scratch an X on it, throw it into the state of Texas, and you fill the state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars. Fly a plane over at 2 o'clock in the morning, push somebody out with a parachute, they land and they have one chance to reach down and pick up that silver dollar with an X on it. That's the chances in only one excuse me, in only nine of the 109 prophecies being fulfilled in any one person throughout all human history. But in the case of Jesus, it wasn't 109. It was 333. He fulfilled all of them. In other words, it's a mathematical impossibility that he is not the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, in conclusion, I think this is a conclusion, yes. The Bible says that we can live forever. For God so loved the world, that means the people that are not saved, that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not have to die. We don't have to die. We can live forever. And I believe there's someone, maybe it's here, maybe it's online, maybe it's in the future watching this. And you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Or maybe you asked Jesus into your heart, and then you fell by the wayside. You fell down into the mud. The good news is the door is still open. You can still go to heaven. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have to realize we've all made a mistake. We're all sinners. Next is, how do we get that? How do we become saved? Well, can't earn it, can't buy it. It's a simple gift. For by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Finally, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that's all we have to do. We just have to say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. That simple phrase puts our name in the book of life. Now, when we get to the great, well, actually, we're not the great white throne, but when we have to answer, I'll put it that way, we don't want Jesus to say, well, what have you done with the talent I gave you? Well, I buried it. In other words, we want to go and serve the Lord. We want to bring some other people into the kingdom. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, thou shalt be saved. For with heart man believeth unto righteousness, with mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's simply saying, we've got to believe it, we've got to say it. So, in conclusion, I'm going to lead everybody in a quick prayer. Never know when there's going to be someone that'll hear this. Maybe it's years down the road watching some video. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Died on the cross, rose three days later, 
I receive his blood to wash my sins away, to write my name in the book of life, to keep me holy, and to save me in the day of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, then send me an email. I'm not getting my... I didn't put this there. Send me an email to that email address. I won't say it. Send me an email saying, I just accepted Jesus. Now, let me back up. (laughs) Get these in the right order here. If you believe in what we believe, then I'll ask you to become a member. Why? Well, because you don't want to be a wandering generality. You want to be connected with something. Okay, Stan, well, what do you believe? Well, on the website, we have all of the details, but it's as simple as this. We believe in the King James Bible. We try to learn the King James Bible, and we try to follow the King James Bible. Lady right over here, I uh, I think it's okay if I tell them this story, right? Okay. So I walked up to her and I said, I'm so happy to see you coming back to church for a while. Because for a while, her husband wouldn't let her come. I said, so what's the deal? She says, well, I've been to all the other churches. And she says, and there's nothing like this church. And I said, you know, it seems to me like we should not be out of the norm, but we should be the normal church. She says, yeah, but it's not that way. She says, all the other churches out there are preaching smooth messages and trying to encourage the people, trying to make them feel warm and comfortable. All we do here is we just preach the King James Bible, right? Right? That's all we do and try to to live it the best we can. Essentially, the bottom line is we're trying to get the King James Bible in our heart and walk it and live it. And yes, a third of the Bible is prophecy. So we include prophecy in what we're doing. We, it's, that, it's, it's just that simple. You can break it down a lot of different directions, a lot of different ways, but we're a King James Bible church, you know, like churches a hundred years ago used to be. Right? If you believe in that, then go to the website and you click where it says become ministry member. When you do that, you're saying before the Lord, look, I, I, I want to I identify myself with them. Now, what that does, that also gives you some power and strength before the Lord, but that also gives you blessings because then you get to share in the souls that the Lord gives this ministry. Now, what's He going to give this ministry? Well, He's promised us thousands upon thousands. He's promised us sports stadiums. Oil in Israel, <laughs> all kinds of things. If you want to be a part of that, then you go there and you say, you know, I want to identify with these group of people. I agree. I want to learn that King James Bible. I want to walk it. I want to learn it, walk it, right? And if you're watching online, if you'll click like, share, and subscribe, then that will help more people to see the message. Again, if you just prayed that prayer, send me a message saying, I just prayed the prayer, just accepted Jesus. In the meantime, I'll close with Merry Christmas. Lord, thank you for your finished work on the cross. Thank you that you've shown us that you are the Lamb of God. You were born specifically on a specific day, specific time, specific place to become our sacrificial Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. 
to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. I know a lot of people watch our program have a prophetic calling. So my wife, Prophet Leslie, is going to put together the Train the Prophets program. You can find out all about it at traintheprophets.com. It's February the 19th, Friday. And she's inviting all apostles and prophets. If you believe you have a prophetic calling in your life, this schooling is a must. So what's the difference between School of the Prophets versus what we taught at the Sevenfold Miracle Crusades? A lot. At the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade, those were just basic introductory teachings. However, at School of the Prophets or TrainTheProphets.com, she's going to be teaching specifically how to get the anointing to transfer dreams and visions, prophesy accurately, give a word of knowledge and wisdom, get anointing and healing for healing. Do deliverance, teach a message from the pulpit, how to take an offering, how to hear from the Lord, how to lead someone to the Lord, and also be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Go check it out, traintheprophets.com, February the 19th. Terry Sock is a prophecy student, and he reads his King James Bible, and he believes in winning souls so much, he is supporting the Prophecy Club so that we can win more souls. So if you want to support someone that loves prophecy and wants to win souls, I'm going to send you to cornerstoneassetmetals.com, where you can get all sorts of precious metals, gold, silver, rhodium, palladium, and things like that. cornerstoneassetmetals.com. The good news is EMP Shield has devices the military testing facility says protect 100% against EMP, solar flares, lightning, power surges, backed by a 10-year warranty and a $25,000 insurance policy. View simple video installation instructions for home, vehicles, RV. You can have electricity in a blackout. Use the promo code PROPHECY for a $50 gift card and it helps your prophecy club. These days, emergency food is mostly sold out, but HeavensHarvest.com has all sorts of emergency supplies and food in stock. Their food comes in square stackable buckets, breakfast, entree, protein, fruits and vegetables. I recommend you have at least 12 months of food for each person in your family. Receive a free box of heirloom seeds when you enter the promo code STAN at HeavensHarvest.com. Promo code STAN. The Watchman Package. Get two two-foot-by-three-foot color-updated charts, my handwritten book of the Book of Revelation, five DVDs where I taught the school of the Watchman, and five secret-door books to understand Bible prophecy valued at $355, all for a gift of just $200 at prophecyclub.com. Click like, share, subscribe, and send to a friend.